Let's continue to look at how grace produces peace in our relationship with God. Paul says this in Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There's nothing to measure up to here. If you and I have already been blessed by God with every spiritual blessing in Christ, there's no measuring up for us. There's no, boy, I've got to practice the discipline today, or I've got to make sure I do the religious activity today. Because we've already been blessed. We're not trying to get anything from God. We're not trying to gain anything from God. We're not trying to get into a right relationship with God or a right standing before God. Because in grace, he's already given everything to us. Every spiritual blessing has been given us. So God's not waiting for us to measure up. He already understands we messed up. That's why the cross exists. That's why grace exists. And so now he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Praise be to God. So when we, when we begin boasting in the cross of Jesus, it will produce praise in our lives. Wow, look what God has done for us in Christ. Praise. Look, look at how good God is for what he's done for me in Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. See, this is something that's already been done. Again, it's complete and it's permanent. Grace produces what's complete, and grace produces what's permanent. We have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then Paul begins to list what these blessings are. For God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God made a decision before the world was ever created that through Christ, people would become holy and blameless when they placed their faith in him. So when God looks at you and me as holy, he sees a person who has a clean heart because the blood of Jesus purifies from all sin. And he sees somebody that has a cleared record because the blood of Jesus completely and permanently clears our record of all sin and makes us innocent before God. So we're at peace with God because of that. God, I'm holy before you. God, I'm blameless before you because of Christ. God, I'm clean before you and I have a cleared record because of what Christ has done. And, and in your sight, God, you see me as holy. In your sight, God, you see me as blameless. There's nothing you can accuse me of. God, you can't accuse me of messing up. And God can't accuse us of not measuring up because that's what grace is all about. Grace comes to us in our mess-ups. Grace comes to us when we don't measure up. And grace says, you're holy. You're blameless because of the blood of Christ. Notice in Ephesians 1, 3 through 8 here, it says, in love, this grace that has come to us in Christ has been compelled by the love of God for us. God wants a relationship with us that there's peace between he and you and, and between me and God. There's, there's peace. That's what God's heart was for. He wanted to create peace between us and himself, and he was compelled by love. In love, he predestined us, or it was determined before time began, that through Christ, we would experience the adoption of sonship through Christ Jesus, and that comes by faith, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Sonship just meaning love son, love daughter. So you and I are holy and blameless love sons and daughters of the Father. That's who we are because of what Christ has done. 
Our hearts have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. Our records been cleared by the blood of Christ. It's permanent. It's forever. We're dearly loved sons and daughters. That's this idea of sonship. In accordance with his pleasure and will, it gave God great pleasure, and it was his will for the blood of Christ to make us holy, for the blood of Christ to make us blameless. It gave God great pleasure, and it gives God great pleasure to call us dearly loved sons and daughters. And notice what it says here, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in whom we have redemption. That's the full payment of our sins. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us. See, you are a person whom the grace of God has been poured out upon abundantly. That's the word lavish, to pour out abundantly. The grace of God has been poured out upon you, and the grace of God has been poured out upon me in our mess-ups. And the grace of God has been poured out upon us when we don't measure up. And when we live from this place of grace, when we stand in grace, and Satan comes and he attacks us with his lies. You're going to have to pay for the, your sins the rest of your life. You, you've ruined your life. You're not right with God. When he just comes with his lies, we stand in the grace that God's lavished upon us. And we say, no, Satan, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I'm holy before the Lord. I'm blameless before the Lord. The blood of Christ has cleansed my heart. The blood of Christ has cleared my record. I am loved by God. I am his dearly loved son. I'm his dearly loved daughter. And it has given God great pleasure to call me his loved son. It gives God a great pleasure to call me his loved daughter. I'm the person whom God has lavished his grace upon Satan. That's how we stand in the gospel of peace. When we stand in the gospel of grace, because we begin to experience the peace that comes from grace. Look at Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. Paul's praying for the church in Ephesus that they would really come to this understanding of grace. He said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's this internal awakening, this internal awareness, this spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. And how do we know him better? Paul says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart, this internal awakening, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his saints or in his holy people. That's the riches of his grace. So the more you and I come to a fuller understanding of the riches of the grace of God, the more we're going to know God better. The more we come to understand the depths of his grace, the more we'll discover the, the depths of his heart for us, his love for us, his desire to be in relationship with us. Now, why is Paul praying for the church in Ephesus? I keep asking or I keep praying. I pray that the eyes of your heart. Why is Paul praying these prayers because there is a satanic attempt to suppress the gospel of grace in the hearts and in the minds and in the lives of believers. 
People who've come to faith in Jesus, Satan's goal is to keep us from understanding the gospel of grace, from experiencing the gospel of grace. He doesn't want us to come to that awareness. He doesn't want our hearts and our minds. He doesn't want us to have that inner awakening. That's why he works really hard through spiritual leaders to suppress the gospel of grace. They don't know they're suppressing the gospel of grace, but they're suppressing the gospel of grace. Most believers don't really understand grace. They can define grace as God's unmerited favor. They know the acronym for grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. They've sung Amazing Grace a thousand times. But sadly, the majority of believers do not understand the gospel of grace. And we have to ask the question, why not? Why don't most believers understand the gospel of grace? I had a guy come to me after a class I taught, and he said, Brad, I've sung Amazing Grace a thousand times, but I never knew how amazing grace was until I took your class on grace. And I've had that kind of conversation with people since 1991-1992. Satan has done a really good job keeping the gospel of grace from God's people. That's why it's so important that pastors and Bible teachers who teach the gospel of grace keep teaching the gospel of grace no matter how many times they're attacked, no matter how many times they're tried to be shut down. We've got to continue to teach the gospel of grace because this is why Jesus went to the cross. This is what sets people free. This is what brings peace into the hearts and minds of people spiritually, personally, and relationally. God wants people to know about grace. So part of prayer, part of prayer is praying that God would open the hearts and the minds of people, people in your family, people in my family, people that we know, maybe people we're in a small group with and whatever church we may go to. Maybe even the opening the eyes of the pastor of the church to the gospel of grace. When we pray, we're battling Satan's attempt to suppress grace. And so we're, we're praying into an unseen realm, an unseen world where, where Satan is trying to stop grace from getting to God's people and an understanding of grace and the teaching of grace from getting to God's people. All right, Ephesians 2, 4 through 9, Paul says this. And again, we're talking about understanding the grace that brings peace into our relationship with God, this spiritual peace. Paul writes, because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. Now, that right there, God's great love for us, God's mercy to us, when we were spiritually dead because of our sins, that God comes to us in love. He comes to us in mercy. He comes to us in grace. And through Jesus, he dies for our sins on the cross. God is for us. If God wasn't for us, then he wouldn't have great love for us. He wouldn't be rich in mercy toward us. Jesus wouldn't have went to the cross for us and died for all of our sins. And God never would have acted on our behalf to save us by grace. It is by grace, it is by everything God has done for us in Jesus, leaving us absolutely nothing to do. No matter how many mess-ups we've had or will have, 
the only thing ever to measure up to was the, was the Ten Commandments. The, the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Love others as you love yourselves. And then the Ten Commandments, which flow out of those two commandments. That was the only standard anybody ever had to measure up to. And everybody failed to measure up. None of us have loved God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. None of us have obeyed the Ten Commandments. We can't love God with, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've broken all the commandments in our hearts, some with our hands. We have failed to measure up. God comes to us in our mess-ups and our failures to measure up, and he comes to us with great love for us. He comes to us with rich mercy. He comes to us with amazing, glorious, marvelous grace. Jesus goes to the cross for us, dies for us on the cross, and God says, all you have to do is to place your faith in Jesus. And when you place your faith in Jesus, I see you as if you've never messed up. And I knew you didn't measure up already, so quit trying to measure up because Jesus has done everything for you. It's by grace you've been saved. I've been saved from my mess-ups. I've been saved from failure to measure up. I've been saved from judgment. I've been saved from condemnation. I've been saved from the wrath of God when it comes and his love, and he removes all sin and sinners from the earth, and he establishes the new earth. I've been delivered. You and I have been saved because of God's great love, his rich mercy, and his amazing, amazing grace displayed in Christ when he went to the cross for us. And God has raised us up with Christ. These are some of these spiritual blessings. We've been made alive with Christ. We've been saved by grace. We've been raised up with Christ. We've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. In order that in the coming ages, God might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This word incomparable, you guys, incomparable means nothing compares to it. There's nothing you can compare to it. So that in the coming ages, God might show the incomparable riches of his grace. What would compare to grace? If we were to compare grace to something, what would we compare grace to? And Paul would say nothing. Nothing compares to grace. What would you compare this incredible great love that God has for us and our mess-ups, God has for us and our inability to measure up, and he comes to us in love, he comes to us in forgiveness, he comes to us in kindness, he comes to us with unmerited blessings, he comes down to us in Christ, he goes to a cross, he sheds his blood for our forgiveness, that we're declared righteous and innocent and justified by him, and we call this grace, what compares to that? Nothing. And we're the recipients of it. It's free. It's full. It's forever. It's ours. It's a gift. And how do we receive it? Simply by faith. I mean, it doesn't get much simpler than that. It's faith. I was talking with my son today, and we're like, people can get so caught up in, in, in Christian organizations they can get so caught up in denominations. And when a person gets caught up in the denominations and the organizations, it can get really confusing because the denomination has a lot of different things. And we were listening today to a guy on YouTube 
talking about his denomination and our denomination believes this and our denomination believes that. And you, you talk to a, a certain Christian ministry and organization and we believe this and we believe that. And, and I'm getting confused listening to this. I'm like, man, this is confusing me. I mean, I don't even know what they believe, to be honest with you, after he's talking about all these things and he's taking verses out of context to back up their, their belief system. And my son and I got to talk and we're like, Grace just isn't complicated. When we just bring it down to simplicity, by grace you have been saved. You've been raised up with Christ. You've been seated in the heavenlies. You're forgiven. You're righteous. You're innocent. You're justified. You stand in grace. You're at peace with God. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I don't need the complicated denominational handbook or the ministry handbook that is so complicated and so confusing that no wonder people don't feel at peace with God. No wonder they feel such anxiety and such stress and fear and worry and doubt, because somehow in the denominational handbook and in the Christian ministry handbook, we've removed the cross. We're a modern-day Galatian church. The cross is gone. We've been bewitched. We've been tricked. And the cross is now gone. And what's appeared is man-made trying to explain how we can have relationship with God apart from the cross of Jesus. Boy, it gets confusing, and it can produce a lot of fear, doubt, anxiety, worry, and stress. And then Paul just makes it so clear. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. That's the clearest presentation of the gospel that I know, and it's not confusing. Grace is everything God has done for us in Christ. By faith in Christ, we're saved. It's nothing we do. It's not about our mess-ups. It's nothing we do. It's not about measuring up. It's a gift of God because he loves us, because he's so kind and so good. It's not by works so that no one can boast. And when we get that, we'll begin boasting in the cross. And we'll have peace in our relationship with God like we've never experienced before. Ephesians 2, 11 through 18 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away, because of our mess-ups, couldn't measure up, you were once far away because of your sins, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Not only have we been made holy, that's a, that's a cleansed heart, Not only have we been made blameless, that's a cleared record, but we've been brought close to God by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ cleanses our heart. The blood of Christ clears our record, and the blood of Christ brings us close to God. That's peace. When we get this, when we understand this, you're talking about spiritual peace flooding the soul and the heart of each one of us. This will be the most amazing experience spiritual that we can have. People go to church all the time looking for spiritual experiences. It's so sad. Several years ago when I wasn't involved as a pastor teaching, I had about seven years where I could visit churches. And I went to several different churches. And they were always trying to get God to do something. Pour out your spirit. Show us your power. They haven't experienced the truth of what the blood of the power of the blood of Christ that cleanses our hearts, that clears our record, that brings us close to God. That's the power and that's the peace.
Look what it says here. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Jesus is our peace. We'll look more at the context of this next week. Because of Jesus, you and I have peace with God. Not because of my mess ups, I'm out of, I don't have peace or I don't measure up, I don't have peace. No, it's because of Jesus and his blood that brings us peace with God because I know I have a cleansed heart, a cleared record, and I'm now close to God. My sin cannot move me away from God. Your sin cannot move you away from God. Our spiritual performance can't make us get closer to God. I can have a million quiet times. I can practice spiritual disciplines for the rest of my life, but they're not going to bring me one inch closer to God than what the blood of Jesus already has brought me closer to God. I just got to realize that I'm close to God. The inner awakening of, of grace in our hearts. I am cleansed, I am cleared, and I am close to God. Look at Colossians 1.20 as it talks about the blood of Christ. Through the Son, God has reconciled all things to himself whether things on earth or things in heaven, thereby making peace through the blood of his cross. The blood of the cross of Jesus brings peace between you and God. Hebrews 12, 23 through 24. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. That's you. If you come to faith in Christ, you have a righteous spirit before God. You have come to God, the judge of all. So when God judges you, he says, righteous cleansed, clean, cleared, you have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, our New Testament, to Jesus, the mediator of a new testament, and to the sprinkled blood, that's the blood of Jesus, that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Cain murdered Abel. The blood of Abel from the ground cried out, Cain, you're guilty. Cain, you're a murderer. Cain, you're unrighteous. Cain, you're going to have to pay for your sin that you committed against me. That's what the blood of Abel cries out from the ground. But the blood of Jesus cries out from the cross a much better word than the blood of Abel that cried out from the ground. What is the blood of Jesus in this New Testament in this new covenant, in this new way of relating to God, what does the blood of Jesus cry out from the cross? The blood of Jesus cries out, you're innocent, you're righteous, you're holy, you're blameless. The blood of Jesus cries out and says, you're innocent, I took your guilt. You're righteous, I took your sinfulness. The blood of Jesus cries out, you have no sin debt to pay because I paid your sin debt for you. You are righteous. You are clean. You are cleared. You are close because my blood speaks a better word. And you know what the word is that the blood of Christ speaks? It speaks grace. The blood of Jesus speaks grace. If you want to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, it talks about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ when he shed his blood for our sins. That's what the blood of Jesus speaks, is grace. So we're looking at how grace brings peace into our relationship with God. So because of the gospel of peace, because God has freely lavished his grace upon 
you in Jesus. He's lavished his grace upon me in Jesus. Because we've come to faith in Jesus, you and I are at peace with God. We're completely loved by God. We're completely forgiven by God. We're completely, totally accepted by God. We're valued by God. We matter to God. Because of God's grace that brings peace, because of the blood of Christ that speaks a better word, you and I no longer have to live in fear, worry, stress, anxiety, doubt, guilt, or shame as it relates to our relationship with God. We can be confident that we're forgiven. We can be confident that we're righteous. We can be confident that we're holy. We can be confident that we're blameless. We can be confident that we're valued by God and we're accepted by God, no matter how many mess ups and no matter how often we don't measure up. We've experienced the grace of God, which brings peace. God is not disgusted with you. God is not disappointed with you. God is not angry with you. God is not mad at you. I mean, if he was, he wouldn't have went to the cross, right? I mean, if God was disgusted with us, disappointed with us, if God was angry with us and mad at us, there would be no John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Because the world is full of people who messed up, and the world is full of people who haven't measured up. And God looks at every one of us, he says, I love you. And if God was disgusted with us and disappointed with us and angry with us and mad at us, Jesus would have never told the story of the prodigal son. That story would not be in the Bible. That is the classic story where God says, no matter how many of your mess ups and you don't measure up, I love you. I love you. So we're close to God through the blood of Jesus. We're clean before God through the blood of Jesus. Your sin record is eternally cleared before God through the blood of Jesus. That's the good news. And we understand the good news of the gospel of grace. It really does bring peace, bring spiritual peace into our relationship with God. And when Satan comes on the day of evil, and when Satan begins to lie and tell us, hey, because of your mess ups, you're not right with God. You're not measuring up. You're not right with God. God's disappointed and disgusted with you. He's mad at you. He's angry at you. You've messed up so much. Just say, you know what, Satan? I'm standing in the gospel of grace. I'm standing in the gospel of grace, and I'm going to experience the gospel of peace in my life when you're trying to disrupt my peace with God through your lies. I want to thank you for listening to this teaching today. If you would like any of my other teachings, check out my books on Amazon as well as my website and my YouTube channel. The links are in the details of this podcast. Again, thanks for listening to this teaching. I hope you're growing and understanding the Bible more and more every time you listen to one of these teachings. Have a great day.